See Beneath Your Beautiful podcast is raw and intimate, sometimes funny, and always entertaining. With new episodes every Saturday, Hara explores our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. My name is Kelly Calabrese, and I am a fitness nutrition lifestyle expert and also a certified divorce coach. I've had a really blessed career where I've been able to do a lot of fun things from writing best-selling books to being on all the major networks to speaking on stages around the world. And I wake up every day excited to help people be well. How did you get started on that journey? When I was 13, I wrote in my journal, my diary, I will be an exercise therapist, really not knowing exactly what that meant. But at 13, I had figured out that I loved when I was running, dancing, jumping, swimming, cheerleading, you know, anything I could do to get this endorphin high. I was like, what do people not get about this? Like, this is amazing. (laughs) But also I realized that we do things to move away from pain And I had a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, alcoholism, cigarette smoking. And I went, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. So I went on this quest to get healthy and really out of also the fear of, I thought my dad was going to die. You know, he was the oldest living male in his family at 36 years old. And I thought he's not going to see me graduate high school. Yeah, they had all had heart attacks and So I was committed to be healthy and be an example for health and take as many people along with me as I could. At 13, that's pretty amazing because we all start our dieting journey. Not all, but some of us start dieting at 13. We know what we want, but then there's a roller coaster ride. You never rode the roller coaster. You just always knew. No, in fact, even today that everything I do will still always line up with what I call divine health. I want people to be well, physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, professionally, spirit, like in every way. That's why I get out of bed in the morning. The vehicles have changed. You know, I've done outdoor fitness boot camps. I've done online training. I've done so many different things. So the vehicle may change, but the mission is always the same. I hate poverty. I hate obesity. I hate disease. I hate lack. So that fires me up every day because 95% of it really is a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of helping people to change their thinking, which changes their actions, which changes their habits, which changes their character and their identity. Yeah. So it's just backing it up from really a, a body, mind, spirit approach. So how do you help people with their mindset? One of the things is identity. One of the first conversations that we'll have about who you are in this world, we have all these titles of I'm a mom, I'm a wife. I live in this neighborhood. I drive this car. I wear these shoes. But really, you know, when it comes down to it, if all of that was stripped away in a moment, which it can be, it happened to me. (laughs) Um, Who are you really? So it's getting down to that soul work of being okay, being alone, but not lonely of Mm -hmm. getting to know who you are in the world, not comparing to anyone else that you have an incredible purpose on your life. You have passions inside you and really renewing your mind to the past that the past is absolutely in the past. It's not even the way you remember it. <laughs> There's nothing we can do to change it. Right. And to spend your time looking in the rear of your mirror is going to leave you filled with regret. And so I get them to really release the past and get super present and get excited about a vibrant, amazing future that they get the opportunity to create. What do you offer? I mean, how do you do that? 
Well, I'm working really specifically right now. I do life coaching, you know, one-on-one. I can't take a lot more clients, but I can still fit in some, but I've been working with groups doing divorce coaching really. So any woman who's gone through any breakup, any separation, any grief that they have not yet overcome, whether you're thinking about getting divorced or you're seven years post-divorce and keep dating the same guy or you've isolated yourself. I created a program based on the three years of work that I did after my divorce. If anyone's gone through the divorce, you know, it's like a tornado came in, it blew up your world. It left this gaping hole in your heart and everything has been scattered about. And you're like, how do I get the pain to stop? And everyone's going to do something to get the pain to stop. So you might isolate, you might medicate, you might, I mean, you could overexercise. You could take something good, but do it to the excess. I want them to do something really healthy. So I went on a quest and I went to the retreats and I went to the seminars. I read the books. I did all the things. I went to the counseling, the healing place. And I put together the program I wish I had. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I offer. It's called Intentionally Fabulous is the program. And it's available anytime. People can jump in and get started. Awesome. And you got divorced after how many years? What happened with that? So 24 years is when he came home and said he was not committed and he left. And I got served on my 49th birthday and we settled on what would have been our 25 year anniversary. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess you could say 25 years married, 26 together. Yeah. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I don't mind at all. I'm 52. Because you look 30 ish. Well, thank you. You're awesome. It is all the good choices, good living, Mm -hmm. you know, clean living, great Mm -hmm. habits, some good genetics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do work at it. I don't, I haven't done any plastic surgery or anything like that, but we all are going to eat every day. It's just a matter of what do you choose to eat and drink? And Mm -hmm. I have found things that really work and I share them with my clients and I do feel like I'm 30, not 52. Yeah. I totally see that. What TV shows and stuff have you done that's promoting what your just your wellness stuff, your fitness stuff? So companies uh, will bring me in and I'll be on like NBC in Miami and CBS in Philly and they'll bring me in seasonally like, Kelly, okay, it's the winter. Tell us your best tips for us to boost our immunity or not gain the holiday weight or. Yeah. You've seen these kind of segments on the Today Show and things where they bring an expert in and I'll share some tips. So in a morning, I might do like 27 TV and radio shows in four hours time and they'll get played some live and some will be played later. Mm-hmm. I've been on Montel Williams. I'm his fitness expert and I've got to do some other fun things. Oh, cool. I like Montel. Let me go back a little bit. You did not know your husband was thinking of leaving. You know, looking back, I could see how it was a slow fade where neither one of us were really happy, mm-hmm. but I would have limped along till death do us part because mm-hmm. I was really committed to our marriage. I never in a million years thought he would leave. I mean, mm-hmm. if you knew my story, it was ridiculous. I mean, anyone who meets me would say your husband had to be like out of his mind. And of course, it's never a hundred percent one person and zero percent the other. I needed to own what was my part in this. But at 22 years old, I, I met a man who 
had made a lot of bad choices in his life. And I tried to bring a man up who didn't want to be brought up. Mm -hmm. And so I spent all those years trying to coach someone who didn't want to be coached because that's what I do. And, you know, he got to a point where I think he realized I'm never going to be the husband that she really wants or deserves. And he also, you know, he had his own issues. He was a hundred pounds overweight our entire marriage. He had been, Mm -hmm. you know, bankrupt and foreclosed on and, you know, had 26 jobs and there was a lot. So he had his own self-worth issues to deal with. So it, it, you know, it's always complex. It's not simple, but I was surprised, shocked. I mean, that that's part of the grief cycle starts with shock. (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely shocked. I never thought he'd leave. Yeah. I have been divorced and the first year is the craziest. You just have no idea where you're at. And I had a a criteria when I was dating years later that you had to be divorced for at least a year before I would even go on a first date with you. And then, of course, I met my current husband. He wasn't even divorced when I met him, but I just fell in love with him right away. And so all my all my criteria went right out the window. He couldn't have little kids. He had a little kid. Anyway, it was just funny, like when love strikes, all those things go out the window. But I do think you should give somebody the first year, like like in Alcoholics Anonymous, how you're not supposed to date for the first year. That should be true also of people going through a divorce. (laughs) Yes, I did study and get certified as a divorce coach through through the American Association of Christian Counselors, never thinking I would be a divorce coach. I mean, I not in a million years did I think that would be my platform. I'm just a knowledge person. So I wanted to learn for me. And there's definitely things they say, like, you know, wait a year. And I remember when I was with my counselor, he said to me, Kelly, you know, when word hits the street that you're available, the men are going to come calling, please do not get married for at least two years. And I was like, oh, I don't even (laughs) want to look at another man. I do not want to take care of another man right now. There's a, well, it's been three and a half years and I'm just starting to open my heart to dating now. Yeah. I had a long time of just being still, being hidden, being silent, but being okay, being alone. I needed to be okay being alone. Yeah. I was single for 13 years, I believe. And the very last boyfriend right before I met my husband, well, was going to cheat on me. I found out before he did it, but I took time off from everything. And it was all about me loving myself and not needing a man to make me feel loved. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is, that is so true. My former husband was engaged within a month of our divorce, re-engaged. This was actually his third wife. Oh. <laughs> um, and then he was remarried really quickly. So there were so many insults. I mean, it was just like trigger, mm-hmm. trigger. Like you think like, I'm okay. And then, you know, you see pictures of his wedding and then like, I'm okay. And so it takes some time, but it all gets orchestrated. Like you said, when you were at peace and you weren't looking for it, that's when it shows up. Mm-hmm. And not how you expect. I had a rule, but his face was so cute. I totally skipped over his bio. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He even smoked. I saw his face and I forgot to read. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so funny. And I hear the opposite too, where, you know, the super handsome man, they're not the ones, you know, with the good, deep core values and integrity and trust. And it's the one that you might not be attracted to that they're really yeah. just going to adore you. And I feel really lucky. I kind of did my penance, you know, 13 years singles, a long time yes. raising two little girls or, and then women. I feel like I deserve this gorgeous, nice man. I agree. No compromise necessary. Exactly. (laughs) So you became a divorce coach, is it? A divorce counselor? What do you say? Divorce coach, yes. This wasn't inspired by your divorce. This was previous. 
This was inspired by the divorce. So oh, okay. I was three years, well, probably about, yeah, about three years in. And one of my goals was to get two kids off to college successfully. And I came home last August and I checked that box. I was like, okay, I did the best I could. Like they're in school, their tuition's paid. They got computers, they got cars. They got like, oh, okay, good. And I was like, okay, God, now what? And I really felt like it was supposed to be divorce coaching. And I didn't want to do it. That's how I knew it wasn't me because I did not want to be out there. I'm like, I'm sure my kids aren't going to like this. I'm sure my former husband doesn't like this. I'm sure my future husband is not going to want me to be the divorce coach. But my heart just breaks for these women. At the time I got divorced, I was in a beautiful neighborhood, you know, million dollar gated golf course, all that. There were 12 of my friends who were moving out of the neighborhood at the same time, 10 of them were getting divorced. And my heart broke for them. And I watched what people did. And some did jump right into another relationship and, and remarry. And some did escape, you know, just go off and travel. And, and I just wanted them to do something healthy. And I was physically healthy. And I know what I went through. I couldn't imagine for the women who are starting out without, you know, with illness and not having the physical health or the mental and personal development work that I had done. I couldn't imagine the, the mm-hmm. torment and the torture. And some people never get out of it. I mean, you know, when this woman walks in the room and you can just feel the the bitterness or the depression or they never get over it. And I was like, no, that's not right. This Mm -hmm. isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't forever. You're supposed to heal and move on. So I just got really committed to help because I see the suffering. Have you ever suffered from depression or been in a funk where you, you know what to do and haven't been able to do it? Have you ever been in that space? Not until I was going through the divorce. Mm-hmm. I was always the super achiever. I, you know, at one time when I moved to Texas, I switched accountants and she said, Kelly, you have 13 streams of income. Do you realize that? And I, that was me. I was, I was, I was writing, I was speaking, I was consulting, I was editing, I was spokesperson. And I absolutely had PTSD. My brain could not function. There were days I got up and I go in the gym and I'd lay on the floor and cry. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of days like that where I knew I was driving my kids crazy. They'd be like, mom, you just asked us that mom, we just told you that I knew people were talking, but (laughs) my brain just was not working. So in going to one of the counselors, they did an assessment and he looks at one of my profiles and he goes, Kelly, this is like the healthiest profile I've seen. You're you're empathetic. You're sympathetic. You're this, this, this. He goes, but you're depressed. And I was like, oh. It was like, he told me I had cancer. I was like, no, no, you don't know me. I am the encourager. I coach everyone. I can't, but I was, and Mm -hmm. I needed someone to give me permission to be depressed. And I went home and I sat in it for like three weeks and really grieved the unmet expectations, the dreams that were blown up, the, the felt like I ruined my kids' lives. You know, I just, I really sat in it for about three weeks and about three weeks later I got up and dusted myself off and said, okay. And not that I'll never be sad or depressed again, because there's definitely hard moment. I mean, life is a struggle. Life is hard, but it was like, he gave me permission when I did that assessment. And so, yeah, I'm not normally a depressive person, but I was absolutely depressed. And that's part of the grief cycle. And I didn't know this, but you're actually on the upswing when you're depressed. So there's, Mm -hmm. you know, denial and shock and bitterness and deep sadness and anger and But when you get to depression, you're on your way back to healthy if you work through it, if you don't stay there. Yeah. I'm glad that you went through that so that you're not just always happy. And and so people can relate to you because you have suffered through it. 
and understand it. Cause it's really hard if you've never been depressed. It's hard to understand if you're just not that kind of, you just never suffered through it. Is that what you're helping women with if they're in the middle of their depression from a divorce or how do you help the women going through a divorce or on the other side of the divorce? Yeah, What a good coach does is obviously they're empathetic, they're sympathetic, but asking really good open-ended questions that get people to think differently, Yeah, to get people to imagine what the future could be like, or sometimes I'll start with a to don't list before we do anything new, before we talk about changing What is it that you know you're doing right now that if you just stopped that one thing that's not serving you, that's not healthy, that's not bringing you to the next level, what's something that you're committed to stopping? Mm -hmm. And then I let them think about that and consider what that, and and they know it doesn't mean they're ready, but choose the thing that you're ready and committed to do. And you start with that one small step and you're like, well, I'm binging Netflix for hours and not sleeping. Okay. So tell me what you could do. Well, I can just watch one or I could, you know, whatever, just so getting them to stop something a lot of times is a good start instead of trying to add things to do, because then it opens up space to go, okay, now I start to feel better because I'm sleeping more. Now I'm sleeping more, I have more energy and, you know, it just kind of cascades onto other things. So even starting with a to don't list, Mm-hmm. is a simple place to start that they can grasp. Like, don't tell me to be positive or start exercising or, but okay, I can stop drinking a bottle of wine every night. I can drink half a bottle. Okay, good. Let's start there and we'll check in next week. <laughs> you, know? you said mind, body, and spirit. mind, body, and spirit. So you help on all three of those levels? I do. Yeah. Just explain a little bit how you help on all three. Yeah. So you really can't disconnect the three. When I first started working with people, it was on the physical level. I was a fitness trainer. I had got a master's degree in clinical exercise physiology. So in working on the fitness, I would see physical bodies transform. But what I started to notice was they would come in and they go, Kelly, the people at work are saying I'm a a better boss now because (laughs) I lost my belly and I'm just happier. I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. So I started to notice the mental part too. Like my kids even like me better and my wife is, so I started studying, you know, the mental part and how does that change? Cause the physical was my first vehicle, but it affected the mental. They could think better. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's also a spiritual realm that we are in. We are physical beings in a spiritual world and you can't disconnect the three. So when your physical body is down and ill and sick and, in this terrible place, it's tough to have a great mindset and to be connected to a higher power. So we, mm-hmm. the higher power is the thing inside you. That's always perfect. I mean, that that's a hundred percent all the time. It's up to us to tap into that. And so that's something that I help people do. And I'll do it just by shining truth and shining light on what they're saying. Cause a lot of times there's a lot of self-hatred. Mm-hmm. If they were left in the marriage, they feel rejection So if you understand that there's a God that isn't rejecting you and you put that in perspective, that there's hurt people out there that are hurting people, you got hurt by someone who was hurting, you're hurting, but there is a God who's perfect and who loves you and has a good plan and a good purpose in your life. So just giving them hope in that truth. So catching their talk and stopping them when they'll say things that are self-deprecating, giving them things to inspire and give them courage. That's the tipping point between the dark, which is being a victim. That's where you've allowed the world to just come at you and you feel like you're helpless. 
Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do. Everything's out of my control. That's that dark down victim. You have no hope. And then the highest level is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control to get them from victim to there. The tipping point is courage. So I've got to get them to um, believe and to build their resilience back up. So during divorce, especially you've been knocked down at least 10 times, but you've got to get up the 11th or not, right? We have a choice. Like how's the victim place working for you? You know, if you contacted a coach, there was a reason you, there was some belief in there that you could be better. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things, you know, get them to stop rejecting themselves. And then God does his part. You know, I just plant the seeds there by getting them to change their thinking, to change their language, to speak affirmations and positive things over their situation. And then God will show up and miraculous things will happen too. So I'm just really partnering with a higher power. So before their sessions, I will take time and really pray and consider. And a lot of times I'll get a word for them and I'll just write it on a a sticky note. And at some point in our conversation, that word will come up from them. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, oh, I got that word for you today, you know, resilience or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, victory or whatever the word is. So it just builds their belief. When you were going through your divorce and you were depressed and everything, and now you're at where you're at, don't you think that it's always God's purpose or whatever? Like, aren't you in a much better place now? I am. Than had you stayed in a marriage till death do you part because that's what you were supposed to do? Absolutely. I mean, year two was really about me realizing you were an enabler. You know, you were a perfectionist. You were a control freak. So I needed to work all of that out in me. I needed to hold the mirror up and say, what was your part? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women are probably like me. I married someone who was, you know, irresponsible, foolish, and I was already pretty intense, but it put me in this other ditch of trying, I'm going to make sure the kids get in the best schools and have the best coaches and we're going to have this great life. Mm-hmm. So I needed to release all of that. And man, the next husband, which I will be married again at some point, he's getting like Kelly 2.0. Like, I'm not doing any of that stuff anymore. I don't want to control anything. I don't want to be the provider. Yeah. I don't want to enable, control, try and perfect. None of that. I have really worked all of it out. I'm so happy I met my husband when when we met each other because we're both multiple marriages and we're ready for each other. Sometimes it's just everything works out the way it's supposed to. And my first husband was very angry at me for divorcing him, but I think he should be thanking me because he's been in a happy marriage for 14 or so years. Like, you're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I can now say, and I never thought in a million years, I would say it. I'm thankful he left. Yeah. I'm yeah. thankful he had the courage to leave because I wouldn't be who I am today. And I'd still be limping along till death to us part miserable. I mean, I wasn't happy and neither was he, he just had the courage to leave. And you're showing your kids a really bad example of marriage. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what marriage is supposed to be. And they're going to model what they saw. So why would we want to show them two parents who don't love each other and maybe even hate each other? Right. My husband and I are very gushy over each other still, like seven years later. And my daughter's always like, oh, that's disgusting. I'm like, it's so much better than the alternative, though. This is so nice to be so gushy. (laughs) It totally is. And, you know, talking about, you know, being thankful that we're not together anymore the highest level of forgiveness is when you can actually bless the person in the area that they hurt you. So for my former husband and his new wife, who I know, 
I totally can say from the bottom of my heart, a hundred percent. I have no bad feelings. I wish them nothing but the best. I hope they complete each other till death do they part. I hope they make it. They're happy. They're healthy. I have no ill will whatsoever really released it. Yeah, me too. It took, it took a long time. I have to say for me to stop being the victim for me to see my side of everything and to take my responsibility. But once you do, it's so good because I have apologized to my ex for all the things I've done and not in any way where he could also apologize. It was a statement and I didn't say anything about him. Just these are the things I see what I did and I'm sorry for them. Wow. And it was so great for both of us. There's so much power in an apology. And a lot of us didn't have, you know, forgiveness that was really modeled growing up. I mean, most people didn't see their parents. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. You know, I never yeah. do that again. It was, you know, tell your brother you're sorry. And, you know, there's yes. no real. Right. Um, but to see that modeled, there's power to that. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets rid of all the bitterness. And it's up to them whether they receive it or not. You did your part. I'm so glad that I modeled that for my children. I didn't even realize I was doing that because my parents got divorced when I was one and a half and my mother hated my father. My dad was like the nicest person too, but she made it hard for me to love him publicly because it was like betraying her. So that's what she modeled. So I'm glad that I didn't do the same to my children. There's yeah. so many sad statistics for children of divorce. I mean, it, it is not great at all. They're more likely to be divorced and literally teenage pregnancy, jail. I mean, crime, there's a lot of stuff, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, I have a free report on my kellycalabrese.com page, how to not have your child be a statistic of divorce. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things like they don't want to be put in the middle. They don't want to, you know, here, bring your dad as male or, you know, that kind of stuff. They don't want you talking about their mom or dad. And yeah. you know, when we're that hurt, we don't even realize it, that we're doing it. Right. My daughters used to say that my ex would talk poorly about me and they'd say, stop talking about my mom. And they just kind of couldn't help it. But after I sent that apology, they have told me that he always has positive things about me. Now, that's what I'm saying. I've never heard from him, but I know he heard it. And that's the part of the spirit realm. It's, it's from the head to the heart. So yeah. he received it. And that's wonderful for your kids to see, like you said, it's modeled. And, and what I do now is like even higher than blessing them in the area that, the, that they hurt me was I live a pre-decided life of forgiveness. So before someone even offends me, mm. first of all, why am I even so offendable? That That's ridiculous. I have no idea what's going on in their world, but I pre-decide that I'm not going to judge anyone because I don't want to be judged. I'm not going to criticize anyone because really that means I'm my biggest self-critic. If I'm judging someone else, I'm not going to play a victim. I pre-decided whatever's going on in the government that I'm still going to wake up and be joyful. I'm going to create a win-win. So I just go out into my day pre-deciding not to be offended and to quickly forgive because if something happens, I don't want to carry it. My peace is way too expensive and too important for me to carry anything for more than a moment. I love that. The more I love me, the more I love you. The more at peace I am with myself, you can't really piss me off because I'm just at peace. I assume that you're coming from the, the best place in your heart you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you have. I think the more I love me, the more I love everyone. That is so good. Yeah. If you're loving yourself, you're not blaming yourself, judging yourself. You're talking positively to yourself. You're going to talk positive to others. What is in your heart when you get squeezed, pressured, stress of life is what 
comes out of you. So it just shows you if someone's quick to be angered or so defensive, that's what's in their heart versus someone who's looking for a solution or quick to forgive or to find, you know, something encouraging to say that's what's in their heart. Somebody I think who critiques themselves all the time is also critiquing you. So somebody who's constantly negative, I'm sure they're thinking negative in all areas. Absolutely. The people who are the most critical outwardly are the biggest self-critics. Like the ones who are trying also like the biggest bullies are the ones that have the lowest self-esteem. Definitely. If they're self-critical, just like if I love me, I love everyone. If they don't love themselves, they don't like anyone. Do you think that's true? That is a hundred percent true. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent true. You can't give what you don't have. Yeah. Um, I have a word of the year every year. I've done this 15 years now. And one, and I always have an accountability partner. One year I told him my word is joy. And he goes, Kelly, you're so good at giving out joy. You do that all the time. He said, but you can't give from an empty place. You're always giving, 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 giving. You have to refill yourself with joy. So I made my word that year joy filled And it became about filling myself with joy so that I had enough to give from the overflow everywhere I go to fill others with joy. And I just thought, wow, you know, such a great perspective. It has to be overflowing because the filled cup is for you. And then whatever's left over is for everybody else. I really liked that image. And that's biblical too. It says pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. So you want to be overflowing with love and joy and peace. And so when you walk in the room, you have that energy and people lean in and they're like, what does she have? I want some of that. Versus when someone goes in the room and you just feel that the heaviness and the anger and the, I intentionally want to carry that. So I have to keep my heart filled and pure and just meditating on good things all the time. It's really important that we live a life of celebration, literally look for things every day to celebrate. Otherwise you will burn out. It's hard to even someone who's a driver, just go from goal to goal to goal. Just take the time every day to find something to be happy about. One of the things I do is I committed every night to filling a page with gratitude Mm. that I was not going to stop and fall asleep until I thought of things to be thankful for. And when I started, it was very mechanical, like, okay, I took my vitamins. I walked the dog, but now it's like, wow, nobody gets to have the day that I have. I just go throughout my day looking for things to be grateful for. And it changes your whole perspective. Look for things to be grateful for and then celebrate it. Look for any occasion to celebrate because there's too much hardness, too much struggle, too much darkness, sadness that we need to be intentional about just joy and celebration. I love that. 